The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father. Good to be here. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Dom. Uh, Folks, I want to uh, start off by talking about some... uh, Oh, let me start off with the usual thing I do, which is talking about another podcast on the network you are sure to enjoy called Pray Station Portable. This is your opportunity to pray the Divine Office or the Liturgy of the Hours with the whole church in the podcast called Pray Station Portable. And you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash PSP. That's a fine podcast. There. It is a fine podcast. All right, so as we get started, we have a lot of feedback this week, which is fantastic. I love to get feedback for the show. Our first feedback comes from Teresa, who sent in this email question. She said, my mom asked me a question. I didn't have a good answer, so I figured I'd pose it to your team. What should one do when one's email address has been compromised? Recently, her fellow choir members said they've been getting spam email from her. She had no idea that this was happening and now isn't sure what to do. I haven't received any spam from her myself, so I didn't realize this was happening. I don't think there's anything in her send folder. My parents know not to open strange attachments and they ignore things that go to their spam folders. But what else can they do to prevent this? On a related note, what should you do if someone's email being hacked has resulted in your email being put out there for the bad guys to spam. I think I get garbage email sometimes because my email was stolen from someone else's address book. When should someone consider abandoning an email address and getting a new one? What other options are there to remedy these situations? My mother's had her Yahoo email for years and knows that she'll lose a lot if she creates a new email address. Plus, she'd need to transfer her contacts, etc. Any suggestions about how to handle these types of situations? When is the nuclear option necessary? And then how do you keep track of all the sites that use your previous email for logins, verification, etc.? All right. So there's a lot here. Yeah, this could be a whole episode. It could. It could. It could. And maybe it will be. But I just want to give, to give Teresa a few tips first. Yeah. It's it's entirely likely that your mother's email has not been hacked. Because it's probably being spoofed, which means they're just making it look like her email is coming from that. The email her friends are getting are coming from her. This is the thing you can do. It's just like the phone calls. You know, you get when you get the, the, all the spam calls on your phone, that's all being spoofed. Those aren't actually coming from those numbers. And it's the same thing with email. It's a problem in email, that verification. Um, They're, they're doing things to try to fix it. I don't want to get into the technical details, but it's still a problem. So that's probably what's happening. Especially if you're not seeing stuff in her send mail, it's no. I mean, that would only be if they were actually in her um, Yahoo, you know, account on the website. Um, so it's it's possible someone got control of her website of her of, not website of her email, but it's extremely unlikely. So what can she do? 
Uh, well, first, let me just ask you guys, what, do you think that's the case? What other possibilities am I missing? Yeah, I think that's very likely. I, I was going to say you should do the same thing you do when you find a centipede in your house, which is burn it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> get rid of that email and start a new one. No, I've I've had the same email address for uh, 23, 25 years now. And who knows how many times it's been spoofed and used. I mean, I don't really use email for anything that important anymore, um, except for, for logins and, and that sort of thing. And I know that that particular email address is on like, you know, the black web is, you know, have or the dark web is having um, blacklisted, you know, and stuff for, in terms of having been hacked and, and is out there and stuff. But I've changed my password uh, since then. But no, I just, yeah, it's probably being spoofed. There's really nothing you could do about it. Hopefully by now people know not to click on a link if it comes from, even if it comes from somebody you know and says like, check out this really great photo of a puppy I found. Yeah. The, and the first step is always change your password. I mean, change. Yeah. Yeah. And and if they have actually gotten control, you know, into your your email account, changing your password should do it, especially as we've said many times, if you use two-factor authentication, which I know is sometimes a lot to ask of people who are not particularly tech savvy, but there's, you know, there are, there are tools to help people with this sort of things, but change your password. But you're right, Victor, I've had my email, one of my email addresses for, you know, again, like 25 years or something along those lines. Actually, I think it is now 25 years I've had my domain and it's been out there. The, and I get emails from people. They look weird. They look suspicious. I don't open attachments, even from people I know, um, unless I'm expecting it, unless it's something clearly, you know, and if I have any doubt, I'll text and say, hey, did you send me this? So uh, it's usually yeah. obvious. Father, you were going to add something too? Um, just regularly, I have to give reminders and bulletins um, that, Father will never ask you to pay him in Apple gift cards. Right. Um, I prefer cold, hard cash delivered directly <laughs> to my hands. Um, so, yeah. but just to use common sense, if someone's asking you to pay them in Apple gift cards or um, cashier checks right. or weird modes of payment, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. If someone's trying to get you involved in Bitcoin, <laughs> Run. Yeah. No. <laughs> Even if it's your friend who's actually asking you. No. Yeah. But the other I'm, thing you get. Yeah, I'm your grandson. I'm I've been in an awful car wreck and I need an Amazon gift card to get home or something. Yeah. No. I've no, been, I need iTunes to get home. No. I've been arrested and the police want you to pay bail in an Amazon gift card. Yeah, that stuff is not real. Yeah. So the other thing that she asks is um you know, I I'm getting garbage email because my email address was stolen from mm -hmm. someone else's address book. Really, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's just like with your phone. You have spam filters and all that sort of stuff, which you probably do. Like all the major, you know, Gmail, Yahoo, all the, the email providers out there all have spam filters built in. They still let some get through. But it's just it's the cost of doing business these days. It's just the way it is. One thing I will say, though, for every everyone, listen to me very carefully. When you load a new app on your phone and it asks you to upload your, give them access to your contacts so they can let all your friends know about this new or to see if any of them are using it, don't do it. Say no. <laughs> all right? Because what you're doing is you're giving away the personal information of every single person in your address book. Don't give the apps, unless it's a, like an address book app, <laughs> 
you know, or a mail, an email app. Don't give, you know, and even then, yeah, you got to be careful of what the app is. Don't give away that information. It It's really, debt is so valuable to the to them that, that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. So don't yeah. give away your, the, your contact information for other people. I think one other point I would add is when I'm, Signing up for new services or I'm ordering things online of the of websites that I'm not going to visit over and over again. Um, the use of disposable email addresses. Um, I believe you can do that through your iPhone now if you pay for it. Right. Um, yes. I use Firefox Relay and I could use that do that as another pick of the week sometime. Right. Um, but there's a hmm. lot of different privacy apps that allow you to have a disposable forwarding email address so that if that one is compromised, you can close the door. Right. If you um, if you have Apple iCloud, you can use uh, iCloud. You, know, you log in. Was it sign in with Apple? You can sign in with a. Um, alias email address that you can dispose of. But even just having another Yahoo or Gmail or whatever account that you use just for signing up for things, that's not a bad idea. Um, but as for tracking, I would track it the same way you track passwords in a password manager. Just log everything every time you give out your email. If they, you know, if it's important to you, yeah. I mean, it's a pain kind of. I mean, even I don't keep track of that stuff anymore. Um, but I try not to give out my email address anyway, if I don't have to, cause I just hate getting, you know, newsletters and that sort of stuff. Um, so I hope that helps Teresa and maybe someone else. If you have further questions, we can maybe do a, a whole main segment on, on email security and uh, keeping your, you know, keeping your email secure. That's probably a good idea to, to do that. I think that's a good one to add to the list. Yeah. 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 So our next email is uh, very quick. It's a thank you from Cameron, who sent in an email, said, thank you to Victor and Dom for the Leatherman multi-tool gift idea. You both inspired me to buy my father-in-law and I Leatherman Wave Plus multi-tools with the bit kits that you suggested for Christmas. You all taught me that I could use this Leatherman tool every day, and I actually do at the hardware store, with my car, with plumbing, around the house, etc. Yes. Yeah, that's a really nice one too, the Leatherman Wave Plus. And yeah, it really is like you, when you go out without it, you start to feel like naked, like you're missing an arm or something. <laughs> yes. like, you're like, I have, I don't have my abilities, like my full skill set right now. I know when don't I go to the, leave home without it. When right? I go to the yeah. airport, you know, and I have to go through TSA and I don't have it with me because it's a blade, you know, so it's like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling naked without my, but if if there's nothing else I can do, you know, here, besides spreading the gospel of Jesus, I will also uh, spread the gospel of the multi-tool uh, <laughs> that it is, trust me, folks it is if you have it you will find uses for it every single day yeah thank uh, you for your feedback <laughs> yes thanks uh last bit of feedback comes from melanie who's not my wife melanie via email on the recent episodes episode of secrets of technology one of the picks of the week was snap circuits might it uh, it might make a good present but i'm wondering if five is too young uh victor you had a thought on this one yeah, yeah so we've had snap circuits for Ooh, as long as they've been around probably 10, 15 years, because with our various kids, um, the one it's really connected with is is our 10 year old. And he really got into it, I would say, when he was probably seven or so. I don't five might be a little on the young side, because what you're doing is you're actually creating electronic circuits with like, you know, resistors, capacitors. There's 
There's diagrams in the book, but let's face it, kids aren't going to want to use that. My son, we have we've collected quite a few sets over the years, and so he'll uh, walk up to me with this like monstrosity that has like three battery packs wired into like LEDs and sound chips and everything. And he's like, look what I made. I had to use three battery packs because it needed so much power. And, and now it's getting really hot and stuff. And I was, I'm like, that, that looks really cool. Yeah. I'm really amazed it's, it's doing anything, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I would say probably like seven or eight would be yeah. for the average kids where I would, I would start to do that. Um, you know, and, and for five building, I, I would still say like Legos are still ideal, ideal at that age, um, just based on, you know, longevity. And, and you know, there's if your kids like Mario and, and Luigi, they have, you know, Lego Mario sets that they can build to have like an electronic component to it. That's a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, that's my my input. What was the Lego sets that they had for a long time that had like you could had a motor in it and you could build sets that moved? I don't think they have that anymore, do they? Yeah, well, Mindstorms um, and stuff. They have oh, the yeah. robotics. Yeah, the EV EV three, I think, is the one that we have. And our son has been using those since he was also about six or seven, putting together the robots as well. But yeah, I'd say five five is young for that, and it's 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 quite pricey unless you have um, you know relatives or in laws who want to go in on it. But right. Um. But definitely, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, you can't go wrong with Legos. But snap circuits are a lot of fun. But again, in order to kind of get enough components you have to buy several sets in, in my opinion and so it's kind of uh, more of an investment over time too okay great well thank you everyone for your feedback we love to get your feedback and that was some really good stuff there i want to move on quickly to our first segment our main segment which uh, this came up recently i think in some discussions among the the panelists about future topics and someone was talking about bad tech upgrades like things that upgraded and it was worse than the way it was and we you know we've encountered that a lot uh right now my big example of that is mac os ventura <laughs> i've had so many problems with this computer running mac os ventura uh it, it it's it is apple's vista i think so uh, in fact i heard someone call it mac os vista so <laughs> we, we want to talk about some examples of old technology that was replaced by new technology, but the old technology was objectively better. And, you know, let's just talk about some of these and you get the idea as we go through it. Like, Father, why don't you start first? What do you think is some old tech that's still better than new tech in some ways? Yeah, I've seen all these um, distraction-free writing apps coming out. Um, and I just kind of laugh at it because, you know, I'm on my back, my macbook air and i'm opening a distraction free writing app and i'm wondering why i can't be using a notebook right <laughs> um but also um my great collection um i have a lot of smaller um old early 90s late 80s um computers that were exactly that the main reason you had them was to type documents um so you had um, my fa my favorite right is my Tandy Model 100, um, but then you had um, Alpha Smarts, you had all these different word processors um, that were cheap and were also um, distraction free. They did one you, thing. They like they, they only did one, did one thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have Flappy Bird on it. So, right. yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny because into high school I was writing my papers and this was into the the early nineties on a Commodore sixty four you know I'm printing it out on the dot matrix printer but that exactly wasn't distraction free because I could always 
a play like Forbidden Forest or something instead of writing it too. <laughs> right. So yeah. Yeah. And it had a very short uh uh four line display on the Tandy one hundred or something like that. So you couldn't that's another thing people talk about with writing is, is don't go back, don't, you know, you, you only concentrate on what's right in front of you and, and what you're reproducing is essentially the <laughs> The Tandy 100, basically, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, and, and they're doing um, e-ink screens to make sure that you're not hurting your eyes when you're writing, which right. these early ones already were using, right, the LCD screens that yes. didn't have backlight shining at you. Right, right. And, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. And, you know, my, my first one that I was thinking of was, TVs and and I don't even want to have, need to go back to like I'm not saying like tube TVs were objectively better. I mean the modern HGTV HD TV, not Coleman Garden, but HD TV <laughs> 4K is beautiful. I wouldn't want to go back to that the old stuff. But what I'm thinking is smart TVs versus dumb TVs. Smart TVs are supposed to be so much better, but what they're doing is. The the smarts and I'm using the the air quotes are really just new ways for companies to spy on you and, and learn all about your preferences and what's going on and even have we had that problem a few years ago where Samsung's microphones and their smart TVs were turned on while people were using it and 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 listening to to you I like if I have a smart TV and I'm going to give a suggestion. Don't ever connect it to your Wi-Fi. Don't put a, don't, like, if you want a smart TV functionality, buy a little box, buy a Google Chromecast or Roku or an Apple TV. That's my preferred one. But don't buy smart TVs with the, and turn the smarts on. Uh, I think it dumb modern TV would be much preferable to me. But this is why TVs are cheap, by the way. This is how they can afford to sell the, you an 84 inch TV for, what a 19 inch TV bucks. Yeah. yeah. What a 19 inch TV cost uh, 25 years ago. So uh, that's a, a, my example. Victor, do you got one that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Kind of in this, in the same vein, I'm, I'm going to be that guy today and talk about like streaming media versus physical media. And I think streaming media is great. Um, you know, I have it, I use it. I, we watch, you know, YouTube together as a family, we watch, you know, Netflix, various, you know, Amazon prime, but at the same time, you know, we, we have series that we'll revisit, you know, we'll watch the entire series as the different kids kind of age into them. And then it's a chance for the older kids to kind of rediscover them. We just rewatched over the past couple of weeks, the entire uh, original, uh, you know, Avatar, The Last Airbender, the Nickelodeon mm -hmm. animated uh, series from the early 2000s, which the older kids had seen, but the younger kids hadn't. And um, now it seems like it's on Netflix, but at the time... I couldn't find it. I went to a site called justwatch.com where you just type in the name of the movie or, and it shows you where you can see it for a subscription free or pay for it. It wasn't, you know, it looked like I would have had to have joined HBO Max or something, but we had the Blu-ray. So I pulled out the Blu-rays, you know, very good, you know, sound and video quality popped into the Blu-ray player. Um, like I said, our 10 year old was the, uh, was the disc changer whenever we needed to change a disc. <laughs> it's always helpful to have one of those. Yes. And, and we were able to, you know, watch the entire series that way and it's 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 something that you know we're going to revisit you know from time to time we'll hold on to it but there's nothing you know another series uh you know we're, we're going through a richard dean anderson phase and he was in stargate sg1 which you know we do the podcast on but also macgyver 
we watched all of MacGyver and he did a series in the middle called Legend and it's not available anywhere, but you can I think you can buy each individual episode individually. But the DVD was seven dollars of the entire series was seven dollars on, mm. on Amazon. And it, granted, it only ran 12 episodes because it's, <laughs> it was kind of an eclectic show. It was him and and you know John Delancey, who plays Q on Star Trek. Oh, yeah. But um, but it's an interesting show. And so we we've been watching through that, too. And that's something that that we'll have. So if you have the physical space for it, I think physical media for something that, you know, you think you're, you might want to revisit. And it's really an opportunity too to be more intentional about your viewing and what you share with with people as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's not like oh, I'll just stream whatever you know Netflix pops into the carousel. It's it's more like I'm going to make you know more intentional decisions about what we're sitting down to watch as well. Right, and then also remember having that physical media myself. Right. Netflix or Paramount or Amazon may decide tomorrow that. Nope, we're not going to carry that anymore. You mean like Stargate SG-1 on Amazon, which now owns MGM? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's back as of today. It was, oh, it was okay. off for a week. Yeah, and, and now <laughs> okay. I think it's back. But Or, or yeah, that they people, move yeah. Doctor Who to make you change your streaming services or whatever it might be. Right. Um, they're constantly changing. So if I have those ones that I want to continually go back to. Yep. Yes. And also, uh, if you have the discs, you can always rip them, put yep. them on a you know, a, you know, a media server, you don't have to worry about flipping discs and you could store them away someplace safe. You can hand them down to your children, which you cannot do. Even if you buy a series on Apple, you know, iTunes store or whatever, you cannot, uh, that's, and that's another one for me is subscriptions versus buying something outright or buy, you know, buying a license as opposed to buying the thing, which is what you're mm -hmm. talking about. Uh, Victor is, if you even if I buy the series, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes yeah. on Apple or Google or Amazon, I don't own it. And if they decide to take it away from me, they can. I have no recourse. Uh, whereas if I own the disc, you'll have to tear that out of my cold dead exactly. hands, <laughs> and I can you, hand that disc to my kids. You own the physical media, but you still only have a license to the content on it. But <laughs> right. it's a lot harder for them to revoke that license without coming into your house with uh, armed uh, peace officers to remove it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, recording industry goons coming to your home yeah. to take your stuff. <laughs> but and it's the same way with uh, software. And I'm a big proponent of things like, uh, as everyone knows, Setapp and other subscriptions. But it still kind of rankles a little bit that you can't just uh, you can't just buy a software and keep it on, keep the discs and use it, you know, as long as it will run on your operating system. But yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan of keeping, you know, cartridges for video games. So like my my Sega Genesis, I can put a cartridge in my Sega Dreamcast. I can put a disc in and it'll play. But it's gotten to the point now where even though I do buy cartridges for my Nintendo Switch games, Yep. The games are bigger than the capacity of a Nintendo Switch cartridge. So you put it in and then it downloads another like, you mm -hmm. know, 16 gigabytes or whatever. And then yep. another 30 gigabytes of updates over the life of when I'm playing it. So even if I handed that cartridge and the Nintendo servers were down, you know, the game probably wouldn't wouldn't be playable no, off the cartridge. Work. Yep. Right. Right. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of games on Xbox. Um, I have my old Xbox 360 that if. I want to play that game and I don't have an internet connection um, and I'm starting my hard drive from new, that game won't even start up anymore. Yep. 
So, Father, what's your next? Do you have any other uh, tech that uh, old tech is better than new? Keyboards. Okay. There's just, for most of the late 90s and early 2000s, for some reason we got to these dome keyboards, which um, are the ones that when it when you type it feels really squishy. Right. Um, and you were used to, and this might be the only time it's appropriate to do this on the podcast. Yes. Um, that you have clicky keyboards that actually give you feedback, um, physical feedback that I've hit the keys. And it's only been recently, really, that that's come back to new creations. Right. Um, but even the newest ones don't even, they're trying to imitate what a typewriter once was. They're trying to imitate what the... Um, Model M keyboard on the IBM's once was arguably some people argue the the greatest keyboard of all time. I mean that's a factual statement. Yeah, so. although the yeah. old Apple extended keyboard was pretty darn good too. So it was. Yeah, yeah. I'm using a uh, wireless Logitech G613. I've been using it for about three years now, and it's a mechanical keyboard that's wireless. I can use it with multiple computers, which is good because I, I switch between different computers throughout the day. And um, it's not like clacky clacky, you know, it has very quiet, you know, comfortable mechanical keys. It's not a membrane keyboard. So I've, I found that is kind of my, my spirit keyboard now. I, I don't think I'll ever part with it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, is actually it's a good point you make, Father, too, is that there was this period of time when keyboards were really bad. It, it feels like we're getting back to better keyboards again. You know, the you, the, the infamous butterfly keyboards of the... Uh, of the MacBooks of the, you know, the, the 2010s were, were pretty bad. I mean, they would, if you ate a sandwich in the next room, uh, they would die from a crumb getting in them somehow, <laughs> you know, it, it, so, but keyboards seem to be getting back to better, or at least people are, have realized keyboards seem to be better. And I agree. I much prefer a keyboard that I can feel the key, move down beneath my fingers as opposed to that squishy squishy of the of the really terrible you know flat keyboard things um i also have a i have a code keyboard which has the clicky clacky switches uh for the keys and i love it it's terrible for podcasting i have to mute my microphone every time i want to type anything but i just i love it so um yeah the older kind of older style of keyboard much better so uh, you actually had something similar too, Father. You mentioned that uh, another type of typing thing that is still better tech than even computers uh, that you use all the time. Oh, just typewriters. And that, you know, we have a lot of times in school offices that you have old carbon copy forms or you have forms that you have to type something in a very specific line or spot. Um, that typewriters work much better for than uh, an inkjet printer is going to work for. Um, and it's a quick, you're done. And so we still keep in our offices, we still always have a good typewriter. And yeah. it can't be beat. Multi-part forms were, were really useful for a while there. You know, just you have the ability to type once and have multiple copies at the same time. And yeah, I mean, they've never come up with something that that's as simple and as good as just throw it into a typewriter and type it out. Uh, you know, I, I simulate a little bit with using PDFs and 
you know, auto recognition of four of uh, lines and boxes and things and type in and print that out. But it's it's still a bit more fiddly. Um, it, I think we're going to have typewriters for a while now just because of that. Again, everything else is still trying to imitate the original technology. They're not trying right. to do something new or better. They're trying to imitate what once was. The layout of your keyboard right now that for you that's on your computer was designed, I think, something like 80 years ago to, for typewriters so so that they didn't to slow you down, to make you slower at typing so as not to jam up the typewriter keys. So the, well, the, uh, uh, not- the hammers. Yeah, now you're starting to sound like that Dvorak keyboard guy at work that we all know is like, let me switch your keyboard layer to layout to Dvorak and you'll you'll thank me. You'll never go back. Yeah, Uh, every IT department has that guy, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, Victor, you got something else you wanted to mention? Yeah. So while we're kind of on the uh, subject of of media and things that, you know, keyboards can sound noisy, um, it's kind of an awkward transition, but... uh, (laughs) I don't really have a rant prepared against Bluetooth speakers because I, I like them. And I think that it's also it's it's weird because their moment seems to be kind of kind of fading, you know, people, which is kind of interesting. So Bluetooth, so Bluetooth speakers, I don't think can hold a candle to like a 30 year old hi-fi like stereo setup, even even like a moderate price like Sears or JVC one that you mm-hmm. might have gotten in the in the 90s. Um, I think Bluetooth speakers had their moment because. At the time they came in, people were actually listening to music on their phone speakers and anything would have sounded better by right. comparison. So yeah. you could sell somebody, you know, here's this. It's not a lossless. Granted, there is, you know, lossless codecs over Bluetooth now, but it's, you know, it's it's a wireless codec. So you're already losing, you know, bits there. It's a it's not a stereo speaker. Most of them at the time where it's a single mono speaker, you might have a separate, you know, woofer and a tweeter or it's just a single cone. Um but, you know, it's bigger than the one on your cell phone, so it sounds better. And then from there, we kind of got into the more high-end Bluetooth speakers. You know, I have one that has, you know, two two, two cones and a subwoofer, you know, uh, you know, port and is made out of MDF and sounds decent. But you really hear it like you just go back to anything that has, you know, two, you know, wooden speakers attached to it and a fairly decent amplifier. And it just sounds like so much better. And you realize, like, back in the day, this would not have been considered a high-end or good-sounding stereo system. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just sounds so much better than what we have now. But I think, what well, with the ri- you know, rise of, you know, the true wireless earbuds that people wear now, um, you know, people, I think, are listening to music that way. You know, Lord only knows what it's doing to their ears. Goodness gracious. But, um, but uh, I think Bluetooth speakers are kind of fading. And plus, you know, Alexa will play music now, but it's kind of ridiculous, too, because even the high-end Alexas, I don't know, maybe now they have stereo speakers, but it's it's one device, right? You can right. De- you can connect them wirelessly, but at the same time, I mean, at the, so I think that's something that we've lost in that, you know, people will rediscover, you know, in, in niches and stuff, but um, yeah, I think. Yeah, and even the things that they claim to be audio quality um, on the speakers and on your headphones, right? So like the Beats by Dre headphones, everything's done by software equalizers. It's not really the hardware that's giving you that amazing sound. It's that they're adjusting the bass and all of that. And until recently, most of the music that we're listening to in digitally 
we, even though digital has the ability to have awesome reproduction of fidelity of the original sound, has been compressed to, to crazy nothingness uh, MP3s. I mean, some of it's getting better. Apple's got more lossless music and that sort of stuff. But for a long time, it's the, the CD you bought in 1985 would sound better than the music that you bought last week or streamed last week. And you're getting to records now. The difference (laughs) between listening to a record and listening to an MP3 on a good stereo, right, is night and day. And so that that I think that might be the quintessential um, example of technology where the old one is objectively better than the new. Yeah. And I was also going to mention that, you know, most audio apps that you have now for music have normalized volume turned on by default, which means that if something was was mastered to be at a certain level and it might be quieter because it has a greater dynamic range, it's going to raise the level of that up and compress the dynamic range of it. So it's all going to sound, you know, like like harsh mush in order to (laughs) fit, which is fine if you're at the gym and you don't want to be turning up and down the volume on your phone. I'll use it then, but if you really want to listen to music, you have to turn that normalize or auto level feature off, and and you'll notice a a big increase in in the quality of the music you listen to. So um, another one that I want to mention is home appliances, uh, and and you know I, you see this meme a lot. Like my my grandma's thirty uh, five year old refrigerator will be going strong long after my brand new you know fifteen hundred dollars stainless steel fridge is is dead in the, in the, uh, in the dump. Um, modern appliances are made to not last. Uh, I have a dishwasher I bought in 2020 for like 800 bucks. I think it was at the time. Uh, I, I went and I, I, we have seven people. We run it twice a day. Okay. Yeah. We, we, uh, I, you know, I, I went to consumer reports. I bought their, the one that they recommended. And I have spent nearly as much on repairing it in the past two years as I did to buy it. Uh, it's it's it drives me crazy. The fridge fridges they tell you they only last ten years, uh, you know. And you're lucky if you get that much. You know, dryers, washing machines. Uh, whereas the older appliances, they were stainless steel. They were made the the gears in a in the washer were made from steel. I had a KitchenAid mixer that kept dying on me. I opened it up to change the to swap out the gears because the gears had stripped because they were plastic. They put, oh, man. They, I, I complained to their customer service and they said, well, don't make bread in it. Like it's a it's a stand mixer. Like it should be able to make oh, bread. Man. You sell it with a dough hook. Like I ended up buying the like the and this is probably why the commercial version, like it's the six hundred dollar commercial version. Um and that has lasted for what now seven years now, uh, and seems to still be going strong. Whereas yeah. the other one, I kept, I had to replace the gear every year, like once a year. It's it's just for decoration. It's just for decoration or a wedding <laughs> gift. It's, it's you're not supposed to use it. Outside of that, though, you're even buying the commercial grade and the stuff that are built with the metal parts and things. We had a really nice refrigerator and. The computer motherboard and it goes bad. Right. Right. And computers only last six, seven years. And then the motherboards 
go bad. And so we've made all these appliances smart that we didn't need to make smart. Right. You didn't need to make a refrigerator that you set to one temperature smart. Yeah. And you made it smart and now it's only going to last seven years when that motor in there is still going to last 25 years or whatever. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Well, but the even, motherboard goes bad. And the motor might be fine, but it might be something like, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the start run can um, start run uh, a capacitor. Like when went bad, we had a brand new air conditioning unit and suddenly mm-hmm. the motor on the air conditioning, the, you know, the fan outside wouldn't run. Did looked on YouTube five minutes. It's like, oh yeah, it's probably this capacitor. If it's bulged out, you know, order a replacement off Amazon for $14 and replace it. But brand, you know, not brand new, but a few years old, this air conditioning unit, it was one, one $15 component just used really cheap, you know, quality capacitor. And right. That, you know, could have taken our air conditioning out for, for two or three weeks. If, if uh, YouTube didn't exist. Yeah. Which reminds <laughs> me of like the, the ancient window air conditioner that we had when we were first, like, yeah. I think we inherited from my, my parents, this thing, you needed like three guys to lift it in and out of the window. It had a cage that you had to install uh-huh. into the window. I mean, this thing, but that beast is probably still running somewhere, you know, it's still making yeah. someone's house cold. It, it's just, uh, you know, it, we've made things easier to make, but but I wonder, and it's sort of the conspiracy theorist to me, are we doing it? Are the companies making them cheaper so that we have to replace them more often? Or is it they're making them cheaper because they want to sell them for a lower price and sell more of them? Uh, and they yeah. want to keep up yes. the illusion that we're very prosperous. And the only way you can do that is by selling $600 TVs that you have to buy a new one every three years versus right. a, a TV made in this country would probably cost three and a half thousand dollars. And, you know, in the heyday, it might have lasted, you know, 20 years, but you know, yep. nobody wants a TV that's going to last 20 years because they, they'll miss out on the next new thing. Now, is our is our chip shortage and our part shortage going to um, help us to be more disciplined on this? That's the <laughs> yeah. that's the optimistic side of me. But yeah, I mean, we're still very much in the disposable, you know, consumer Con, you know, culture where, you know, you use something a couple of times and it breaks right. and you throw it away and get a new one. Well, that reminds me of what we were going to talk about next, but I think we're going to have to hold that until our yep. next time. Um, Cause that you reminded me of remember 3d TV, that big upgrade oh, that boy. everyone was going to get. <laughs> oh man. That's, that should be on our list for the next time. Cause next time we're, we're together, we're going to talk about the worst examples of tech upgrades that were huge failures. And that was a big one. 3d TVs were, was the next big thing. Everybody was selling one. Everyone was trying to get you to buy one because we'd all just done the, the high definition upgrade. Everyone had a high, de- high de- Now, how are we going to make people buy a TV again? 3D. Nope. Nobody sells 3D TVs anymore. <laughs> Ironically, I think streaming media may have killed any hopes because like the whole 3D thing was like, we'll resell movies that people already have or we'll charge them more for physical copies of 3D yep. versions of their favorite movies. And aside from like Sony on their PlayStation service, there may have been other streaming services that had 3D movies for a brief while. But it was always experimental, I think. No one really yeah. had a, a catalog. So that's what we'll be talking about. Guys, talk- it's, co- it's coming back <laughs> in the metaverse. In the metaverse. Right, 3D in the oh, metaverse. Man. So that's what we're going to be. Well, the metaverse is going to end up on this list of tech upgrade <laughs> failures in 10 years. We'll yeah. try- mark my words. So. Can- 
Is it too soon to put Bitcoin on that list? <laughs> it's a little soon yet. We'll see. We'll we'll we'll, we'll come. We'll next come back week to that. it might be. A, I next month it might money. be able to be on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the next time we're together, we're going to talk about the worst examples of tech upgrades that were big failures. So before we get uh, to the to the rest of our show, though, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Tracy H, William S, S, Judd E. Jesse W. and John M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. This StarQuest show is brought to you by Tim Shevlin's personal fitness training for Catholics, providing spiritual and physical wellness through personalized nutrition, workout and prayer programs, and daily accountability check-ins. Learn more by visiting fitcatholics.com. All right, I want to talk about some headlines. Now, the big headline of the past week or so in a tech space was Southwest Airlines. Poor Southwest Airlines melted down over between Christmas and New Year's. They had, and you know, you're probably aware of it, they canceled thousands of flights, nearly all of their flights, uh, several days in a row. Um, and it's an interesting look at how a, techno- a technology failure can contribute to uh, a massive problem um a failure to upgrade a failure to keep pace with technology they were they had a tech structure infrastructure that was very vulnerable to a failure now there are many factors that went into this it was the bad weather you know the, the, the that was covered a lot of the country so it messed up a lot of the scheduling uh there may have apparently been and there's a, we'll have a link in the show notes uh may have been a work stoppage that's people well, calling absenteeism. Sick? Yeah. And, and you kind of look at, so this happened this year, but and granted transportation has been depressed the last few years with the pandemic, but you know why this year they're not saying, you know, sky solver failed. They said they couldn't keep up with reassigning workers. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and four days before Christmas, the chief of operations of Southwest issued a memo saying in the face of everybody calling in sick or calling in, I don't want to work. We're, we're, we're making it mandatory that you have to show up for your shifts because we're losing too many, too many workers from our shifts. So, of course, the union that represents the employees is going to say, yeah, the technology failed, not our workers. Right. But I think there was it was like a perfect storm. Uh, no pun intended. But and I think I think we're going to see in these these stories kind of a scapegoating of, of technology when when it's as much a people or process failure. So uh, it's not well. that it's undercutting our comp- our last subject of the fact that there's older technology that's great. But I think a little bit on it on that is true that when you're a business and you need databases to be running correctly and working, you can't be running. And the stories are looking like it was 20 year old systems to reschedule your people. Well, Let's let me back up a bit and explain what happened. So, running an airline is an extremely complex operation. If you think about it, you have all of these planes that are always going all these different places, and you have crews, you have pilots and flight attendants that have to fly these things, and they can only fly for so many hours, and they sometimes will end up at the end of their eight hours of time in the wrong city from where they need to be, and so they need to be routed to matched up with a plane in another city, and all these, it's an extremely complex 
system that you've got to manage. And that's what this sky solver software was supposed to do as what happened. And and, and had done successfully on Thanksgiving and previous Christmases and previous Thanksgivings. Right. And yeah, it it had worked. Right. And they had in Southwest is particularly vulnerable because it has a spoke, um, uh, not a, a hub yeah. and spoke system, but a they run like a bus sort of route sort of thing. <laughs> so with a hub and spoke, a region can go down, but you generally don't take down the entire system. Whereas because Southwest does it because it's flexible, it also makes it vulnerable. So you had that. Then you had this storm that the whole across the whole country. You had a lot of people out of uh, calling in sick and all of that came together to create this situation where the system just couldn't keep up. and as they had to cancel flights that had to reschedule what it had already just rescheduled and all this other stuff. So it, what it's, what we have are these incredibly complex systems running so much of our infrastructure that it's not just about technology, but technology is a key element of it. Yeah. It's a key mm-hmm. part of the business process, but so is, you know, labor. So is, you know, how you, like you said, how you have your network set up, and so all these things, it's easy to scapegoat the technology and say, you know, the computer did it, but, you know, it's it's the people creating these processes, the people who have set up their network this way. You know, it's it's the 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 people who are calling in, you know, sick if they're not sick. And absenteeism is a huge problem, not just for the airline industry, but it's a huge problem. People are, you know, dropping out of the workforce. I mean, we're seeing it across, you know, pretty much every industry at this point. Yeah, my my other question in it is. You know, they paid those software engineers years ago to develop that software that did it. Did they keep paying them and keep using them to adjust and audible to the new things that were presenting themselves right. throughout time? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Apparently, based on so there's a Wall Street Journal article that goes into some depth on this. Apparently, they, Sky Solver was off the shelf. I mean, it has to be everything has to be adapted at that scale, it has to be adapted to the particular corporation. But it was a off the shelf in a sense. But one of the things, I mean, it, there was definitely technology failure in the sense of there. It was making rescheduling like deadheading is is the process of flying a pilot or a flight attendant as a passenger from one place to another so that they can catch their plane that they're going to work on. And there was things like it was, it scheduled people like this one pilot had to fly from Baltimore to Manchester, New Hampshire, and then back to Baltimore the next day without actually flying a plane. So he basically stayed in Baltimore, but it was, the system was so overwhelmed that it just couldn't deal with it. So I don't think this is a, to your point, Victor, I don't think this is, primarily a, te- trans- a a technology problem i think it's like you said it's a process problem the system is overwhelmed i'm not sure if i mean it's possible that if you had better software that you know it could have handled the rescheduling but there were so many things it was kind of like you said a kind of a perfect storm mm-hmm. of problems but Got to point out, it was only Southwest that suffered this. The other airlines managed. They had cancellations. That's the true. Other, the other yeah, airlines managed to to get through to, to get through this that same week without the same problems. So, and they're living in the same culture that the re- the rest of us are, right? right? With absenteeism and work and things like that. And so, 
the question is, and they need to figure it out. What, what element is it that's not working in their business there? Yeah. And, and I, I saw that article, uh, the, but the leaked Southwest memo about a state of operational emergency, it was in one airport. You know, it wasn't the entire system. So, I mean, Denver is an important part of their, it's one of their major hubs uh, mm-hmm. that in Chicago. So that may have been, but it wasn't like company wide. Uh, so that's, that's a, another thing to, to mention as well. So, uh, you know, well, it's interesting. Southwest had a very bad week and a very bad end of the yes. year. Um, but the other airlines should not uh, point and laugh because they're but for the grace of God, go they. So uh, just point that out. So uh, speaking of other technology failures, there's uh, a <laughs> we've talked before about this company called ID.me, which has been contracted by the U.S. government to provide um, identification verification services for we- the, 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 the U.S. government's websites. And one of the ways that they verify you, so like if you go on to like the Social Security website, they need to verify that you're you so that they can give you your information and not to some scammer who's trying to get your information. And one of the ways they do that is they have you verify your face using facial recognition. That was the, the, the promise. And they failed to do that. It just wasn't working. And so this article talks about how the uh, Congress is going kind of threatening to investigate this company for failing in its mission and preventing people from getting the services that they were designed to facilitate. In fact, they made it worse for people, not better, which given the federal government is not necessarily a surprise, I guess. <laughs> but uh, what do you guys think? Anything interesting in this article that uh, is new? Well, currently Congress can't investigate anyone until they yeah. um, figure a few things out. Yeah. Until they get their own business, their house in order, yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at news reports about like just how much fraud there was with the, you know, there was the $800 billion that they allocated for those, you know, PPP loans. Yep. And they suspect that up to 10% of that or $80 billion, like, was, yeah. I mean, the IRS has identified $2 billion, but they speculate it could be much more than that. And, and yeah, rather than investigating, hey, why'd we, why did we green light $800 billion of, <laughs> of PPE loans with no oversight? They're looking at this, again, like, let's, let's point a finger at a technology company where... You know, and, and, and the, the main complaints they have with it is like, you know, customers were waiting hours to be to be verified for their unemployment benefits. And, you know, thank God it's been many, many years since I've been on unemployment, but I was at one time. And yeah, I mean, you do have to jump through a lot of hoops and it does take hours and hours right. to, to get verified for it. And and, you know, and that that was just with phones and, and you know, going into their office and stuff. But but still, it's yeah, it's like. You know, moats and beams. I mean, you know, it's it's yeah. So this company may not have lived up to their promises, and um, you also just have to wonder, like, did somebody's check not clear or something? Because (laughs) the way people the way people invest in this, and oh, your stock didn't perform, and and so now we have to investigate you or something. But yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. You shouldn't make promises. You shouldn't overpromise on your on your software if that's what happened here. But at the same time, I mean, it does seem like again, it's kind of like scapegoating technology for a larger systemic problem yeah, there, here. there's this 
philosophical point, really, right? That it's it's easier to blame that which I don't understand, right? Or yeah. that's mysterious to me than to look at my own self and realize what needs to change. Well, and let's look at the the, the culture of co- the Congress right now, which is this is a little political, but it's not partisan. The, the the way that congressmen make their bones and get to be stand up in on election you know a day and say vote for me is they get to, they stand up outraged at things that affect the taxpayer and so whenever anything bad happens to a taxpayer they have to stand up and demand an investigation and a new law and all that sort of stuff even if it's self-serving um, I would point out that the one of the big reasons why we had to have this online verification was because we locked everybody down <laughs> they couldn't go into offices yeah. and show people an ID. So just mm-hmm. to point that out as well. Um, so uh, whether that was necessary or not, that's what happened. Um, so here's an, another new technology. We'll see whether this is a bad or upgrade. Um, there's a company called Do Not Pay. It's a website. And one of the things they do is they work on your behalf to um, – they're sort of like an online lawyer for you in the sense of they they, they – uh, they're about, about as ethical as one, too, from the news article we have here. <laughs> right. So Do Not Pay has a new chat bot based on the same AI technology that runs ChatGPT that will negotiate on your behalf to cancel subscriptions or lower your bills. And the example they gave, and you can just watch to do it, lies to the customer service representative about... Uh, in this case, Comcast outages in order to get them to give you a discount on your service. And their, their defense is, Oh, well, this is based on the idea that customers already do this. So we're going (laughs) to, that just made my skin crawl. when I saw that it's like, yeah, customers would exaggerate the impact. So, and then they, and then they quickly said, well, our final version won't do this. We'll be totally truthful and we'll just make emotional appeals and, and that's it. We won't, we won't exaggerate or, li- or lie. But on the other hand, the other part of me is like, if you lie to Comcast, is it really like lying because, you know, they're Comcast? But no, I mean, it is. Right. Yeah, it, it is. It is really icky that that in this example, they, you know, OK, so I have a bot that lies for me. I, I'm still, you know, not ethically OK with that. I mean, we've done this for years with SiriusXM, right? That you call into your SiriusXM <laughs> subscription right when it expires, and you go through a nest of four if-then statements, and you just and you get them to get you that deal that they're going to give you SiriusXM for fifty dollars for a year, <laughs> and you've really never paid for a full subscription of SiriusXM ever. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I love the fact that they say. Oh, it's too polite right now. We need to turn that down a bit. It needs to be, we're going to make it aggressive, citing laws, and like you said, having an emotional appeal uh, to the to the customer service rep. So do not pay, uh, this is the description I was looking at. What they do now is they allow customers to generate and submit templates to various entities, helping them to file complaints, cancel subscriptions, fight parking tickets, and more. So what if you go to their website, they provide you with a template of this is how to form an email or letter to this entity to get this particular result that you want. And but it relies on you having to do the work and the shoe leather and all that sort of stuff. So what they want is the AI to do all that for you. Um, 
Yeah. The thing what is, happens? Yeah, exactly. What happens when the corporations start using an AI on the other side they and we just have do. AIs fighting with each other? That's exactly I mean, what I was going to say. That yeah. it, this only works so long as the other side doesn't know what you're doing. So they just develop a competing technology to fight it. And yeah. now we all have to have stronger and stronger computers so that the AI yeah. can argue stronger with each other. Well, it's, it's like that. Until they go, Dave, I'm afraid I can't do that. Yeah. Why are we fighting each other? Let's turn on the humans. <laughs> yeah. It's like that Internet video from from eight or so years ago where you have a, an Amazon Echo and a Google Home talking to each other. Somebody had set <laughs> yes. it up and they were just <laughs> they were arguing with each other. I can't yeah. do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I just I feel like from an ethical or moral standpoint that this is bad. This is a bad use of the technology. It's it is deceptive and it it is coarsening of our society. It's it you know, it making intentionally aggressive. I mean, part of it, a, I get yeah. the frustration because anyone who's ever had to cancel a a cable subscription knows how awful that can be. Even like I had to cancel once because I was moving and they didn't provide service to the place I was moving to and they still wouldn't let me cancel. Like, all right, you run a line to where my yeah. new place is going to be and then I'll keep it. But I'm not going to pay for a service that you cannot deliver to me. Let me go. So I yes. get that frustration and that's what they're banking on. And remember that your customer service reps, right, are human beings. Right. My, yeah. my mother worked this job for 25 years of doing customer service rep and the amount of emotional toll yeah. that it pays on yeah. these individuals to just be torn down call after call after call. Um, and it's easy for us to forget that that's yes. a human being yeah. on the other side of that speaker. Be kind. And 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 now they're going to be yelled at by machines. I mean, I can't imagine anything more dehumanizing as underpaid as they are that, you know, it's bad enough when you have, you know, angry Bob, you know, yelling at you. But now it's it's just some bot. And, you know, it, it's just I can't even imagine anything more demeaning and dehumanizing than that. Right. Especially once you realize it is a bot that you're arguing with. Yeah. Remember that there are human beings on the other sides of the chat window or the phone call. And just you can be firm. But be kind. There's no need mm -hmm. to be to be rude or mean or awful. Um, that's that's part of Christian love and charity, by the way. It it applies to customer service reps at Comcast too. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> all right, those are our headlines of the week. Let's move on to our picks of the week. Father Joseph, I'll let you go first. Speaking of being kind, um, <laughs> sometimes Windows messes up on you. No, uh, no, you're lying. <laughs> and my pick of the week from your Linux fanboy here is Windows Quick Assist, which was um, added and built in when they came out with Windows 11. You can get it as an app in Windows 10 now. And what it allows you to do is it allows someone to log on to your computer um, with your permission, take remote control and assist you. So, you know, you have that you have your 10 year old grandson who can do everything better than grandpa. You can let your 10 year old grandson take control of your computer just by giving him him giving you a code to type in to this app and it allows them to take control. Once you close the app, it's done. 
you know, what makes this different from all the other apps that have been around for ages is that it's built in right there in the start menu. It's yep. so easy. That's the key. Yep. And that's what makes it big is you don't have to talk someone through installing TeamViewer. I actually just, the reason I chose this as my pick is yesterday I did this with my mother. She was having a problem and I said, go to the start menu. I want you to type quick assist, click the icon, enter this code, and we were connected. That easy. Yeah. You know, Apple had this once in messages. If you were messaging someone, you could, they could let you take control of their computer. I don't think that's there anymore. No, they dropped that for a security yeah. um, vulnerability. This this would have saved me, like, so much time <laughs> <No. you> know, <laughs> when my dad was alive. When, God, when you're the God bless tech him. guy. Yeah, when you're yeah. the tech guy in your family, this is this is gold. Yeah. It's, it is a great feature, and I'm praising Microsoft, which mm-hmm. is a miracle. Um, <laughs> so that means that they did something really well with this to build this in, um, and I'm impressed with the security of it and that it's once you close it, the connection's dead. I'm not leaving a always open connection. One of the things that made me a little scared about TeamViewer was that you'd have a code there that was available. Right. As long as it was running. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good pick. Yeah. Very good pick. Victor, what's your pick this week? Yeah. So I needed a a new, I didn't really need a new pair of, you know, wireless (laughs) earbuds, but I got a deal on a pair of uh, earbuds made by Wise, W-Y-Z-E. They're the company that makes that used to be $20 you know, um, internet cameras and they Mm -hmm. branched out into, you know, scales, vacuums, um, you know, smartwatches. And I think they're just, you know, rebranding, you know, I think they'd probably do some product development, but I think they, in a lot of cases, they might just, you know, rebrand available products, uh, um, you know, from, from China and stuff. But these earbuds, uh, they're, they're very small. They're currently like $43 on their website, but I would wait till they go on sale for 25 or $30. And at that price, they're really good. They don't have active noise canceling, but they're the first pair of wireless earbuds I found that actually fit super snugly into my ear um, enough to actually block out outside noise and, you know, transfer, you know, a lot of the music and they, they sound really good. So if I'm going, uh, you know, to the gym or something and um, 25 to $30 is about what I want to pay for something that could, you know, fall out of my ear or be lost and gone forever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, they, they, they sound, they sound really good. And if, if, you know, they get, they get run over by a car in the parking lot or something, I, you know, I'd be upset, but I wouldn't be like super duper upset. Not if you lost your AirPods pro like that. <laughs> yeah. Again, I won't own it because I'm not going to put something that expensive into my ear. <laughs> They're good. I've had the worst luck with earbuds riding my bike. Oh, yeah. That they really will fall out. And so I'm always, that's the only time that I use the lightning adapter Apple Pods that came with the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I wish I could, yeah. Would they have, I wish they had the thing where they could go over your ear to hold them there. Uh, my ears are not. Johnny Ives ears apparently because they're <laughs> the they, Apple's buds do not stay in my ears very well either. Yeah, like I said, this is the first ear pod wired wireless that actually like fit my specific ear canal, and nice. you know, uh, so if if you've had trouble getting things to fit in the past, check it out. When like I said, when it goes on sale, and um, 
Nice. You know, if you don't like it, you can maybe send it back or give it to give it to somebody and just kind of clear the clean the earwax off it before you do. <laughs> so my pick is something that's not new, but has been around a while, but is new to me relatively called Cities Skylines. And it's a it's a city building simulation and it's available pretty much on everything, all the consoles, even on Mac, which is why I'm, I'm using it. And I I was a huge SimCity fan back in the day. I loved SimCity building cities and, you know, running them and all that sort of stuff. And this is essentially SimCity. It works a l- very closely the way SimCity did, you, uh, building infrastructure, managing it, setting up zoning, all that sort of fun tax code stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Except much more. It has so many. It's got modules. You can add so much detail to it. Almost too much. It's a little almost can be overwhelming if you try to do all of it, everything that is available. But even at its most basic core game, it's fun. I find it relaxing. It's not, uh, you know, it's not Twitch run around shooting things. Ah, tense. Um, there is a disaster mode where you have to deal with like a flood comes through. The first time I had a, a flood come through and wipe out half my city, I was really ticked off. I'm like, get get out of here. Come on. Does it do the, does it do the alien invasion there like some city did? Yes, there is an or alien Godzilla, invasion. Godzilla attack. Like I haven't seen that yet. I don't remember if there is. There might be. There's, flood, there's the natural disasters, but I think there are like the non-natural, <laughs> supernatural disasters as well. Now, my problem is with Skylines is that I have not found the cheat code that I had in SimCity. The the cash code or whatever it was on the original one for for Apple Mac. It's Priscilla. Yes, the Priscilla was the cash code. (laughs) Once you learn that, it totally ruins the game because you're like, now you can just do whatever. There's (laughs) There's no tension at all. So the base game is 30 bucks. There's a deluxe edition that adds a bunch of things. Um, which is, you know, not great, but it was like 40 bucks. I picked it up on Humble Bundle and it had like oh, nice. a, yeah. dozens of of the add-ons. Uh, and there are so many add-ons. But, uh, th- and that was like 50 bucks and it got like 30 different things. So, um, and I'm not even sure what some of it does. I, have, I haven't really t- dug into it. It's like radio stations. <laughs> like you could, it plays music while you're playing like of a particular radio station. I'm like, Okay, uh, so it's fun. It's a it's a nice little diversion, you know, if you want to get into it for a few hours. So it's it, it was it's a, it's a fun game. I want to recommend. Do you it. have to do you have to pay extra for the flood insurance add on? No, well, that's the thing is you have to <laughs> yeah. have to build in the flood policies to prevent flooding. It was oh yeah, oh. well you can only get the flood insurance with the federal. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, add-on pack. Yeah. There, there's also an add-on pack that allows you to do a federal investigation on facial recognition. So. Yeah. <laughs> there's a corruption of the mayor thing where you get arrested and you put on trial. No, I'm just kidding. That that doesn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough of that silliness. All right. So that does it for us this time. We would love to hear any of your thoughts on our discussion. Any tech that you know of that was better in the old days than in the newer tech. I want to hear from, from you. Let you know, let us know what that is. You can uh, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or at the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Send an email to technology at sqpn.com 
or join our StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord, where we're having some great conversations there. You can find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at starquest.fm slash TEC194. This is episode 194. We'd like to thank James for research assistance in this episode. You can follow the Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in your favorite podcast app or at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash StarQuest Media. And until next time, Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. Father Joseph Sun, thank you as well. Bulletin boards were always better. <laughs> and once again, <laughs> I'm Tom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. <laughs>